Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. We begin with a reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read? What David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food, how he entered the house of God when Abinathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even on the Sabbath. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Evan. I am the senior pastor here. Welcome. So good that we can gather together and worship together on this Labor Day weekend. Hey to everybody watching online as well. Thank you for joining with us. I don't know how your family did it, but growing up on Christmas morning, we were a family that would gather around the tree and all the presents would be there. Then we would kind of divide the presents up into piles for everybody so they would have their presents and we'd go through opening presents that way. And on more than one occasion, when we think everything was over and the afterglow of our gifts were all sitting there, the littlest, youngest person who was always in charge of going and getting and retrieving those presents would emerge from under the tree and say, I found another one, right? This would happen regularly. They would come out and say, we missed one, we missed one. And there was kind of this excitement. Whose is it? What's it going to be? We didn't know this was coming. Today, after we've been spending a few weeks talking about prayer, and before we begin a new series next week on the Holy Spirit, we're pausing to talk about rest and Sabbath. Sabbath is a practice that's all over the scriptures, but it's one that we as Christians probably don't think about a lot. I believe that Sabbath is a gift that perhaps we have forgotten. And today I hope that we get to dig it out a little bit, open it up, see what might be there for us. If you're like me, you likely think of Sabbath when it, about maybe Sunday church services, right? Growing up, that's what I would think when I heard the word Sabbath. Maybe think about certain laws, about what you can or cannot do on Sundays, or things you can or cannot buy on Sundays. Maybe the idea of Sabbath sounds formal, something that doesn't really apply anymore, sounds maybe like a chore. Perhaps it's a little bit like when we hear about Sabbath, we think it's stuffy, It's sort of like when we try and go do something fun and relaxing with our three children, only to have it, you know, fall apart like it often does. And I become sort of that cartoon character of a father saying, we are having fun today whether you like it or not. When we read this passage in Mark, 
that kind of attitude, you're going to Sabbath and you're going to like it. <laughs> it's sort of the idea we find here with the religious leaders of the day. They rightly took Sabbath seriously, but, but they're missing why it's serious. And any time that our faith becomes all about doing and doing and doing, but never thinking about the why, we can run into trouble. See, for them, the Sabbath had become less a way to worship and connect with God and more a way to demonstrate how holy they were. And as they are watching Jesus and his followers and hoping that they might catch Jesus in doing something that he shouldn't do, they notice that Jesus' disciples are snagging some snacks off of the stalks as they walk through a field, and that might count as work. And so they accuse Jesus and say he must not be taking the scriptures seriously. So what do we do with this idea of Sabbath? Jesus says that he himself is the Lord even of the Sabbath. Well, does that have value for us today? How do we read these stories? How do we think about it? Jesus responds to the accusations and tells this story, reminds them of a story in the Old Testament. He doesn't suggest that they aren't violating the Sabbath norms. The disciples were. But he points to a story in the Old Testament where we find King David, a prototype of who the Savior they were hoping for would be. And in the story, David had already been anointed by the prophets to be the king of Israel, but, but the previous king was still on the throne. So David was hiding with his men, and because they were in need and they were hungry, they went into the holy place. And David took the bread that was for worship and used it to feed his men and himself. He violated the religious norms of the day because of the bigger issue that he was the coming king. And his troops needed to be cared for. They were hungry. And so Jesus responds to the Pharisees and says, Yes, we may have violated your interpretation of Sabbath keeping, but I want you to know that I am the king. And I am on the move. And of course, the Sabbath is valuable, but you're missing why it's valuable. This day is set aside not to keep people in line, but to bless them. The disciples ate because they needed to eat to keep following Jesus. For us, Sabbath is a gift. It is to be a help, not a burden. So Jesus doesn't abol abolish the idea of Sabbath. He frames it around himself. See, the Sabbath is, is less about making sure you don't do what you shouldn't do, but more about helping us follow Jesus. So together we're going to investigate the Sabbath a little bit this morning, look at the practice, how we might practice it, and how it might help our spiritual lives. This is not to be a burden or a list of rules to follow, but it's an invitation to a new, more fulfilled way of living, a way of rhythms of work and of rest a way that we might center our lives around Jesus. We certainly, as a culture, as a people, need rest. <laughs> our culture is full of exhaustion and overwork. The World Health Organization published a report that showed between the years 2000 and 2016, the number of deaths from heart disease due to working long hours increased by 42%. In those 16 years, death from stroke for overwork increased by 19%. And this was in 2016, before we added the stress of a global pandemic to the mix. Our culture understands that scheduled time of rest, 
leads to a healthier lives, less stress, deeper relationships, opportunity for reflection and balance, more production and reserves. And while more and more science is showing us how important rest is and how more productive we might be when we rest well, and more and more people are going with these ideas of self-care and four-day work weeks, God revealed God's desire for people to rest long, long, long ago. So we're going to look at that command to Sabbath. It first appears in the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. So to understand what Jesus is talking about, we have to understand the Sabbath. So we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 20. The story of Exodus is the story how God, the scripture says, remembered God's people. As they were enslaved and suffering under the thumb of Egypt, God remembered them, showed up, spoke to Moses, and Moses, by the power of God, leads the people out of their slavery. This is the central story of the Old Testament. And so we're going to pick up the story today in Exodus 20, where God's people have been led out of Egypt, and they're at the foot of a mountain. Moses goes up to the mountain, God speaks. And here the people of Israel learn about who this God is that they follow, this God that's orchestrated their liberation. And they say, now what? Who is this God who has rescued us? What does this God want from us? We'll start in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3, this encounter with God at the giving of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 21 through 3, Then the Lord spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The people of God encounter God and discover what God is all about. And then we jump down to verse 8. And the Lord says something really surprising. This is 8 through 11. The Lord says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave, your livestock, the alien resident in your towns. For in six days... The Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. So the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. I want us to think for a minute about this command, to linger on it as the text does. This God who rescued these people, who remembered them and set them free from slavery, gives them a vision of what it will look like to be God's community. We often think of the commandments as a list of simple do's and don'ts, but they're not just rules. Instead, they're imagining the kind of life people who have encountered God will live. And so I think it's still wise for us Christians today to imagine the kind of community, the kind of people who have encountered God in the person of Christ will be. As one writer says, these commands might be taken not as a series of rules, but as a proclamation in God's own mouth of who God is and how God shall be practiced by this community of liberated slaves. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember. That's the same word used earlier in the story for what God did for God's people. It says God remembered them. And remembering implies doing something. It's not just recollection. Okay, Remembering implies action. Remembering my anniversary does not just mean I'm aware of the day that it happened. 
Remembering my anniversary means I've already bought the gift, booked the trip, wrote the card, whatever, right? Be like, yes, I am aware. Are we good? No. Remember means to live as if it matters. When God remembered Israel, God set them free. The command is that we might remember the Sabbath. Read verse 10 again. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. In six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. The Lord blessed the Sabbath and consecrated it. Here, because God is God, who knows the importance of resting and delighting in creation, God has shown us what rest looks like. That we might rest, not just us ourselves, but it says for those around us as well, we might give them the blessing of rest. Why? Because Sabbath is not about following rules or making sure we show up to certain places at certain times, but living in a new way. Pastor and writer Pete Scazzaro teaches on emotionally healthy Christianity in churches, and he's written extensively on the Sabbath. And he describes the Sabbath as having four essential components. They are that we would stop, that we would rest, that we would contemplate, that we would delight. And I believe that these mark the lives of the people of God, and they're an excellent framework for us as we think about how we might try to practice this idea of Sabbath practically in our world today. So first I want to talk about this idea of stopping. Stop. And to really grasp this, I want us to imagine for a second that we're there as one of the members of the people of Israel standing at the foot of the mountain. You've just been freed from enslavement. You've spent your entire life laboring for some king you didn't know under threat of violence. Every day you worked and you worked and you worked and you worked. The world demanded that you worked. It was the only way you could survive. And then God sets you free. And I imagine for some of the people, they had to think, what does this God want from me? What will I have to do now for this new God? Will this God be as cruel, as demanding as that king was, who knew of nothing but production? Here they stand at the foot of the mountain. And God says, stop. Rest. You don't have to work all the time. The God who made everything and then stopped says to a people who are caught up in having to produce and prove their own worth all the time, you can stop. Uh, I learned how to drive when my family was stationed overseas in Germany. Uh, And besides the thrill of driving on the Autobahn in a $400 1990 Opel Cadet, which was it, didn't have power steering, it often would just stall as we were going and we figured it out. The biggest difference between driving over there and driving here is stop signs. In Germany, there are very, very few stop signs. They use right-of-way laws and traffic circles and lots of yielding. So when I moved back to the States, I had this tendency of just not stopping at them. Especially at the ones that, you know, they don't, I mean, come on. I may have gotten a ticket for not stopping at the same stop sign twice. 
in the same week. He was out to get me. (laughs) But I think for people who have spent their entire lives with no choice and no future beside this constant, constant striving, God saying stop must have felt more foreign than a stop sign did to me. Our lives are nothing like those people of Israel. But we do live in a culture that that doesn't really know much about stopping. Especially when it comes to work. Especially when it comes to, to trying to prove ourselves. Especially when it comes to how we value ourselves. Our phones allow us to answer email at any time, anywhere, just because we can. It's been great to work from home, but now are we always at home and always working? To always have our eye on the next thing, the next task. We have become enslaved to a culture that demands us always to be the best, the fastest, the most responsive, with the highest grades, the best performance. A recent study showed that American workers are among the workers who take the fewest of their vacation days a year. We don't want to stop. Because we want to show that we're the best, how valuable we are. We want to grow our portfolio like the people of Israel Sabbath calls us to look at the world around and say, no, I don't have to. One definition of Sabbath that I love is to cease from striving. Where we rely not on our own production, not our own measures of value, but on what God says about us. Stop. It means that we let go of the illusion that we are indispensable to the running of the world. The next element is rest. To rest. To rest from work as God modeled for us in the creation poem. On the seventh day, God rests. But have you noticed that it is the day before that God creates humanity so that the first thing humanity does is rest? Rest is not what we earn or what we get to, but it is our starting point. We often treat days off like things that are earned, but Sabbath is to be where we begin. To rest in God's presence and let the overflow of that inform everything else. As the people of God were entering into a new territory in the story of Exodus, the temptation would have been to just be like every other power, to just become their own Egypt, to consume and conquer and take and build on their own strength. And God says, rest. You don't have to be defined by your ability to produce anymore. You don't have to be defined by what you make of yourself. You're defined by God. You can rest. You can be restored. You can heal. You don't have to take care of everything all of the time. You aren't responsible for everything. God is. Let go. The writer Marvadon says, A great benefit of Sabbath keeping is that we learn to let God take care of us. Not by becoming passive and lazy, but in the freedom of giving up our feeble attempts to be God in our own lives. One writer says it like this, we keep Sabbath not because it makes us more productive at work. We keep it to resist the idol of productivity. We are more than we produce. Sabbath is an illustration of grace. We do nothing 
and God loves us. We do nothing and God loves us. You don't have to believe that your value or your worth is tied up into what you produce rest. The next element is contemplate. Keep the Sabbath holy. What does that mean? It's just a fancy word that means to look at something, (laughs) to pay attention to it. Look at anything? What does it mean? Traffic like Instagram? I'm already good at that. No, Sabbath says to stop, to rest, to look at God. This is more than a day off. It is a time to look inward and reflect, to worship together. The Jewish practice was to worship, have Sabbath on Saturday, from Friday night to Saturday night. But the early Christians, they moved their time of worship to Sunday because Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday and it became a new opportunity to celebrate this new life. So part of how we contemplate is we worship together. It's valuable. It's an important part of this vision of Sabbath we're given by God. But it's not just about making sure we have perfect attendance at church. No. (laughs) It's not about particular days or hours. It's about setting aside time to think, to look at, to remember God, the God we encounter in Christ. So when we stop and we rest, we take time to think, to worship, to know what God is doing within us to commune with God. The great writer and thinker Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel said, there is a realm of time where the goal is not to have, but to be. Sabbath is the realm of time not to own, but to give, not to control, but to share, not to subdue, but to be in accord. Life goes wrong when, we, when the control of space The acquisition of things, of space, becomes our sole concern. He would later go on to write, Sabbath is the time that we care for the seed of eternity that is placed in our soul. When we contemplate, we look to the face of Christ again and again, remember the Sabbath. And in the same way that the people of Israel were set free from slavery, the Christian is set free from sin and death. Remember that you are free. You don't have to be in control of everything. God is in control. Connect to worship and scripture and your own formation. And finally, everybody's favorite part of Sabbath, delight. As Christians, we should be excellent at delighting in the world. When I was a kid, I remember that in our church sanctuary, you were not allowed to run. And that was probably a good rule. I'm sure that I would have likely taken out one of our saints with a walker if I was running like I wanted to run. But there must be room as we gather and as we live to delight. Safely, delight. In the creation count in Genesis, in Genesis 1, 31, God saw everything that God made, and indeed it was very good, the text says. Do you see that? Very good. The whole story of creation, everything was good, and it was good, and it was good, and as God sees it come all together, God says, this is very good. And so God rests and stops and contemplates what God has made, and God delights. And so we are invited to delight as well in the world that God has made 
relationships and passions and loves and family and friendships and communities that God has given us, there is beauty in the world. Sabbath calls us to stop and see it, to see lakes and trees and tacos, the stories of our neighbors, to delight. Later in Mark, just the next chapter from what we read, Jesus gets in more trouble for healing someone on the Sabbath. Jesus says Sabbath is for life. We delight in the things that bring life. How can you bring life and see life and find life, serve in ways that brings life for others? I tell you all about this, about Sabbath, because it's been so important for my wife and I. She would be here nodding, but one of our children was sick in the middle of the night. The summer that she began start, her start of graduate school, we had a one-year-old and the responsibilities at church continued to grow and we knew that something had to change. We were running on empty and we were tired. And we decided to try this Sabbath thing. So we used these four categories, stop, rest, contemplate, delight, and we made that our guide. And we began to Sabbath, not because God makes us, but because God set us free and it was a gift we could try I work on Sundays, so we chose a different day, and we would discuss together what we mean when we think about work. What do we want to stop from? What does rest look like? How could we contemplate together? What would delight look like? We chose to stop, to stop from the emails or the yard work or whatever it was, and we chose to rest We usually would start in the evening and we'd light a candle to remind us of God's presence in our lives and also kind of look like the eye of Sauron from Lord of the Rings to make sure I didn't like look at my phone, right? It's watching us. (laughs) We'd often read scripture aloud together as a family. We'd spend time together. But but I think the most powerful thing was that, that we would begin this process of asking these questions. What would rest look like for you this week? What would stopping look like? What would delight look like for you this week? How could we contemplate together? It was like this check-in built into our lives. And each week it might be different. It might be a museum, almost always a walk in nature. With Junia, when we would ask her, it was always ice cream. She wanted to delight with ice cream. Same. (laughs) But it changed how we live. This practice we started, we started it in 2019. Little did we know how we would need these questions. In the coming months and years and after the birth of our twins, how do we stop? (laughs) It gave us a way to think about how we might take our time and our need for control and hand it to God. To believe God when God says you've been set free. Do we believe it? Do we remember it? Because if we remember, we should act like it that we're free from the slavery of constant soulless work, from the chains of misplaced expectations from others and from ourselves. And I know this can seem impossible. Parents, it feels impossible. You're like, what is work? Parenting. Well, we can't get out of that. But remember, this isn't a rule book. It's a vision. How do we practice these rhythms together? How do we set our time around these ideas that we might stop and rest and contemplate and delight? 
And I admit the ability to do this is a privilege. We ask, what about the single parent, the person working multiple jobs? Yes, yes, it is a privilege, but it's a vision, not a rule book. So is there an hour a week or maybe two that you could approach with these two questions? When there's deadline and homework and things to turn in, is there an hour or two you could set aside to stop, rest, contemplate, delight? And as a church, can we ask the question for those who have a difficult time having space for this, how can we help them create that space? What would it look like for us to create that space with them? So I want to challenge you this week to set some time on your calendar, literally put it in your phone. (laughs) Schedule some time. Maybe it's Sunday morning. Maybe it's Sunday. Label it Sabbath. Mine's on my phone and it repeats every week to remind me. I get the little notification with all the seas of other notifications to say, oh yeah. (laughs) And let us live as people who have encountered God in Christ and have made Christ the center of who we are. He is Lord of the Sabbath. God has more in mind for you than constant toil. God wants to delight in our rest and in our relationships. He's called us to be people who bless the world. And that is not defined by our ability to get things done, but by the God who sets us free. You don't have to be a slave anymore. Not even to your own calendar. God says, remember the Sabbath. God wouldn't need to tell us to remember it unless we were prone to forget. May the Sabbath remind you, sing in your ear that you are loved, you are free. You don't have to subscribe to the culture that you've been smashed into anymore. You don't have to be part of the rat race. As Lily Tomlin said, the problem with the rat race is even if you win, you're still a rat. You can stop. You can rest. You don't have to chase our culture's expectations of success, your friends' expectations of success, your parents' expectations of success. The burden of success. Let it go. And trust that God is in control. Follow the Lord. The Lord is the master. We are not. Neither is Egypt. Be free. This week, calendar your Sabbath. Take some time to ask those questions. How might I stop, rest, contemplate, delight? What does that look like? And ask who you could help. Help someone else be free to do this in their life, too. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you are the Lord of the Sabbath. And that when we think about your commands... We're invited to ask why. And here with Sabbath and rest, may we remember the why is about communion with you. Is about refusing to worship the gods of productivity or success or control or self. God, may you challenge us. Remind us, tell us again and again that we are free and may we, by the power of the Spirit, let go. May we remember the Sabbath. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.